Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, proud supporter of the many individuals and organizations who are working together to end cancer as a cause of death. Learn more about the Your Cancer movement at yourcancer.org. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Drs. Anise Chagpar and Stephen Gore. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about soy foods and lower rates of fractures in breast cancer survivors with Dr. Evelyn Shea. Dr. Shea is an assistant professor of medicine in rheumatology and of epidemiology and chronic diseases at the Yale School of Medicine. Dr. Gore is a professor of internal medicine in hematology at Yale and director of hematologic malignancies at the Yale Cancer Center. So I've got to tell you a story. This is a okay. recent story. Um, so I was out with a friend of mine, uh, and he's 40 years old, and he's a former um, – well, he did a stint as a competitive bodybuilder about five years ago. You, you know, he's healthy looking, but he's not – you know, you wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, but he was, and he did, did pretty well, and he prides himself – uh, prided himself on uh, not using steroids, uh, which is not easy in that competitive sport. And I've seen pictures of him, and he did a great job. Um, and we were eating at a well-known uh, vegetarian restaurant here in New Haven. Uh, and he's more of a meat eater. And a lot of his options, uh, you know, were soy meat substitutes, which he immediately recoiled from. I mean, he didn't mean to because of this whole soy estrogen thing. And I've always uh, – it's interesting and I, I – you know, this is something I've always poo-pooed. But guys are afraid of soy foods it turns out. <laughs> um, anyway, you're here to tell us about soy and breast cancer. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. Um, so – uh, you're right. So soy is a uh, legume, actually. Uh, many people think it's a vegetable, but it's actually a legume, like a pea. Uh, Peas and... are vegetables. <laughs> Peas are legumes. Legumes are vegetables, I would argue. But go ahead. <laughs> there you go. Subset. Peanuts are legumes, by the um, way. And it does contain uh, phytoestrogens, um, which uh, do have uh, estrogen-like properties, Um and uh, they are a great source of uh, many nutrients, calcium, protein, which are great, uh, you know, from my perspective as an osteoporosis expert. Um, I, uh, you know, I think they're fantastic uh, from that point of view. But uh, there are concerns uh, about the phytoestrogens in soy. And, you know, on the flip side as well, in uh, other areas such as uh, breast cancer or bone health, um, uh, there are potential benefits as well that people have been studying over the years. Okay, so, so it's let's, controversial. Let's break this down. So, this these chemicals, phyto, I guess, has to do with plant. Yeah. Okay, so these phyto or plant estrogens. Does the plant know if it's a boy plant or a girl plant? Is it estrogen like that? The, no, they're no. not, right? Because most right. plants have both gender, both yeah. sexes, right? Right. So actually what it is is that it actually acts more like a uh, modulator of the estrogen receptor. Um, so Plants have estrogen receptors? <laughs> no. So your body cells have estrogen receptors. Uh, but I'm not ready for that. I want to know, <laughs> why does the plant make this chemical? Um, 
That's just does. a good question. Okay. It just <laughs> For some reason, soy makes a thing. Okay. And this chemical, is there just one chemical or are there many? There are many. There are many um, types. Um, and uh, there are many compounds uh, in, in this category. And how did people find out that these compounds had estrogen-like properties? Um, that's a good question. Okay. Uh, but, but somehow these chemicals interact with the human receptors for the female hormone? Yeah. So um, what it does is that it can um, interact with the receptors, and in some tissues in the body, it causes it to uh, activate more mm-hmm. um, as if that body is getting, uh, that cell is being more exposed to estrogen. And in other types of cells, it can. It can act as a blocker. Oh, and, cool. And, yeah. So, so let me just get a, another sense of this. So here I am at my favorite Japanese restaurant, and we are just loving that edamame because yeah. who doesn't love edamame? A little salt, really good. Okay. So we've got our bowl of edamame, and I'm not really good at limiting my edamame intake, so I eat a cup of edamame, let's say. And uh, so I'm going to have these plant estrogens. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not worried about that. Um, But if we compare the phytoestrogens in this cup of edamame, say, just for example, to the amount – and it's going to go in my body. And the concentrations of those phytoestrogens, how is that going to compare to the amount of estrogens that I make as a man? And how is it going to compare to the concentration of estrogens that a menstruating woman might make? Is it anywhere in the same ballpark? So it's low. And and so I think um, although um, there's a lot of interest and and hopes that um, soy foods will be uh, beneficial for a a whole host of different uh, diseases, um, you know, in fact, um, you know, in in populations in Asia where soy is a routine part of the diet, they take in maybe uh, 20 to 50 grams of soy per day really? milligrams. And, and in terms of the isoflavones, it's really just uh, 20 to 50 milligrams per day. And in, in Western countries such as the United States, it's, it's way down, um, much lower, you know, not even in the 10 range. It's- so, so really in, in Asian countries, 20 to 50 grams of soy protein per day would not be unusual? Uh, so it depends on the country. So Japan sure. higher, you know, as you were mentioning, the Japanese restaurant, um, and lower in other Asian countries, um, perhaps closer to the twenty range. Um, but th- that's but I mean, it's fifty is a lot of protein. Quite a bit higher than uh, you would have here on a day-to-day basis. So, um, so even at those levels, um, you know, the effect size of benefits that you see in studies. Um, it's it's modest, but I think because um, it's a dietary, you know, nutrient, um, it is attractive as a, an sure. a means of improving well, I, health. You know, as somebody who tries to observe a mostly plant-based diet, I'm always struggling to like if I want to increase my protein. It's hard. It's hard eating plants to uh, to get that many grams of protein. That's a lot. So, in Japanese men. Uh, not to overgeneralize, but Japanese men are not running around with breasts. <laughs> right, right. At least, you know, <laughs> right, right? Right. So if there was a big estrogen effect, wouldn't we expect Japanese men not to be able to grow beards and develop feminine? Right, right. So there's nothing like that, <laughs> right? So like my that. friend could have gone ahead and eat, he eaten could the soy. Have had the soy have, edamame beans. <laughs> it would not be a problem for his weightlifting. Right. Okay, good. So, <laughs> 
I feel much better. Okay. Thank you. This has been very good therapy for me. And I'm going to share it with my friend who's going to have to listen to this. Okay. You hear that, Paul? Anyway. Uh, uh-oh. Anyway. Um, so tell me uh, about this recent work you've done linking soy, soy and side effects or complications of breast cancer. Yeah. So um, to back up a little bit, um, as I had mentioned, the area that I spend uh, my time researching uh, has to do with osteoporosis. Uh, so as a rheumatologist, I take That's care a bone-breaking field. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I take care of patients with musculoskeletal and autoimmune conditions, and osteoporosis is one of them. And uh, in the case of osteoporosis, because of different reasons, your bone beco- bones become fragile and uh, vulnerable to fracture. Um, and so uh, this can be due to different causes, And in the case of breast cancer, um, because breast cancer uh, is, the risk is increased when there are sustained and prolonged exposure to estrogens, um, a lot of the treatments that uh, treat breast cancer act through decreasing estrogen exposure. Things like tamoxifen that a lot of people Absolutely. know about tamoxifen as Absolutely. a treatment for breast cancer because it blocks estrogen. Exactly. Um, and so, um, however, uh, estrogen plays an important role in maintaining bone health and protecting the bones, particularly uh, for women before menopause. Um, usually, uh, day-to-day, so people think of bone as an inert uh, Object, uh, you know, they're strong, and and in in you know most people's mind, uh, you know, it, it's solid and and it doesn't change very much. But in reality, it's it's a very uh, living and changing organ with constant uh, breaking down of weaker parts of bone and rebuilding so that uh, it can stay strong for for you during uh, your activities. It's amazing, yeah. It's really uh, incredible. And what happens is um, that balance of breaking down and rebuilding uh, is really important to maintaining bone health. And when you have uh, factors that cause that balance to be tipped uh, the wrong way, you can end up losing bone because you're not building enough to keep up with the amount that you're breaking down. And so when estrogen exposure is decreased, risk for osteoporosis uh, goes up because you're, you're losing that protective effect of estrogen. So, of course, um, you know, in the case of breast cancer, in order to treat it effectively um, for, um, you know, 70 to 80 percent of women with breast cancer, uh, the breast tumor cells have these uh, hormone-responsive receptors, uh, meaning that it's really sensitized to, to this hormone. Um, and so, Decreasing the levels or blocking it with different techniques, uh, different medications um, helps treat the breast sure. cancer. So, um, so, uh, so I was working with a group. Um, they're actually a group of collaborators from Vanderbilt University and Shanghai, and uh, they have this very large cohort, two very large uh, groups of patients in Shanghai. One. Uh, is a, a very large group of uh, healthy women who they had followed over time, and, and one is a group of breast cancer survivors um, who had entered this uh, study, uh, this cohort, at the time of diagnosis and were followed for over 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And so in their previous work uh, in 
healthy women in Shanghai, they had found they were studying soy because, as we said, it's it's a you know it's common in food, and um, and there's been a lot of interest in the impact of soy in different outcomes, so including cancer and and whether um, you know soy is linked to. Uh, differences in cancer risk and whether uh, soy is linked to differences in, in fracture risk. So they had found in the healthy women in Shanghai that um, that rates of fracture were lower um, in women who had higher rates of soy intake, um, but very close to the time of menopause. So they were all postmenopausal women that uh, were in this group. But those who were right near um, the early phase of menopause had a uh, lower risk for fracture when they had high soy intake. And, and so we were very um, intrigued by this. And um, Those were the healthy women. Those were the healthy women. But because we knew um, from all the research um, about uh, bone health uh, vulnerabilities in uh, breast cancer patients, uh, we thought it was important to study this as well, um, you know, and in particular because the risk is so high for bone disease. If there was something that was um, that you could um, do if, from your diet um, to uh, to improve your to decrease your risk for fractures, uh, we really wanted to know, you know. We really want to, 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 to explore that more. Sure, especially if it was as easy as eating at an umami. Right. And right. we're going to have to leave our, our audience on a cliffhanger with that one. So grab your edamame because we are going to take a short break for Medical <laughs> Minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about the link between soy foods and lower rates of fractures in breast cancer survivors with Dr. Evelyn Shea. Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca. Introducing Your Cancer, a program to spotlight the cancer community and recognize those at the forefront of cancer care. Learn more at yourcancer.org. This is a medical minute about colorectal cancer. When detected early, colorectal cancer is easily treated and highly curable. And as a result, it's recommended that men and women over the age of 50 have regular colonoscopies to screen for the disease. Tumor gene analysis has helped improve management of colorectal cancer by identifying the patients most likely to benefit from chemotherapy and newer targeted agents, resulting in more patient-specific treatments. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Stephen Gore. I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Evelyn Shea, and we've been discussing the role of soy foods for breast cancer survivors. So, Evelyn, I cut you off in the first half right as we were getting to the meat, well, to the soy of the matter. <laughs> That's okay, Steve. <laughs> so uh, you, you were talk, telling us about this um, this study done between Vanderbilt and Shanghai investigators, a large population of healthy women and breast cancer Patients, and what I what I understood you to say was that in the healthy cohort, uh, those women uh, who were perimenopausal, if they the, those who had higher soy intakes, were less likely to have fractures. Right, they had uh, lower risk for fracture, and so we were interested in studying this um, in breast cancer patients as well. So. Um, 
There is a cohort called the Shanghai Breast Cancer Survival Study, and it has about 5,000 women, over 5,000 women, who are followed from the time of diagnosis uh, for at least 10 years. And they have uh, evaluations at 18 months, three years, five years, and 10 years. And at the three, five, and 10-year time points, uh, you know, self-reported fracture data was collected. And um, so uh, at each time point as well, a careful dietary assessment was done to assess uh, food intake with a specific focus on soy. And there are um, instruments that are then used to calculate based upon the types of food and the frequency that uh, the foods were consumed and isoflavone um, content. And Does so, it get into like which kind of tofu you're using, for example? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the firm kind? Or, right, I don't, or, or, is I it don't that know. <laughs> That's just interesting. Right, right. Um, and so... Um, so what we found, and we were interested also in looking at women who are pre- and perimenopausal as well as women who are postmenopausal. Um, you know, in the cancer group. In the cancer group, mm-hmm. you know, partly because in the healthy women who had been postmenopausal, we had seen uh, that at the younger age or early menopause stage, uh, there was an effect. But also because in the breast cancer literature regarding bone health, um, there are fewer studies with large numbers of premenopausal women um, because in uh, the U.S., uh, the age of uh, diagnosis of, of breast cancer tends to be about uh, 10 years later than the average age of disease diagnosis in China. Really? So it's Yes. Yeah, so it's uh, actually, we were able to have about 48% of the population we included in this study at the end um, was uh, pre- or perimenopausal, meaning that they were not, uh, had not completed uh, at least 12 months without menses, um, which was our definition of being menopausal. Sure. Um, so, so we were, we felt that this was a, an important opportunity to be able to look at what's happening um, in younger women who have breast cancer as well. And um, and were these women not taking estrogen blockers like tamoxifen? Yes. Yeah, so they were taking tamoxifen, um, and a number were taking aromatase inhibitors. Actually, it wasn't a very large. Proportion, but, but some of them were. But some of them were taking aromatase inhibitors. We know we didn't get into the types of medications and how they impact bone, but we talked a little bit about um, the concept of the estrogen receptor blockers. And so tamoxifen acts that way. It's a selective estrogen receptor modulator, um, which means it can impact that tumor cell's ability to you know, bind to estrogen and, and therefore decrease tumor growth. Um, the aromatase inhibitors work in postmenopausal women because in, in this group, um, you're not creating estrogen from your ovaries anymore, but a small amount of estrogen is being produced in your fatty tissues um, at a low level. 
and the aromatase inhibitors block the production of this. Gotcha. So, um, so in the two different groups, you might choose different uh, medications. And um, whereas tamoxifen is actually a little bit protective for bone in postmenopausal women, in younger women, um, it uh, is not, and it can be associated with a slightly decreased um, bone uh, mineral density. So anyhow, so back to our study, um, we, you know, looked at the data over 10 years um, for women in the perimenopausal, uh, pre- and perimenopausal group as well as the postmenopausal group, and we found that um, if you looked at the whole group, there weren't any differences based upon estrogen, uh, yeah, soy intake, soy, soy intake. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you looked at um, just the pre- and perimenopausal group, you did find that those who were taking higher uh, intake of soy, and in this group, the higher group uh, was taking at least 50 uh, slightly above 50 milligrams right. of phytoestrogen uh, intake per day. Um, and the lower group was lower than 37 or so. And what kind of difference in incidence of fractures are we talking about? Um, so let me see. Um, was it twice as many or 30% or anything like that? Or So in the... Um, I have to uh, look at the numbers, but in the breast, in the Shanghai Healthy Women uh, study, it was uh, it was a third the reduction. It was a third lower, mm-hmm. um, and in this study, and again, it's just one study. Sure. Um, the the reduction we saw was a seventy seven percent reduction. Oh my! Um, so yeah, so that's substantial Huge. enough for us to say this should be investigated more. And again, I you know I always want to caution that this was the first study to really look at soy and breast cancer uh, as relates to bone fracture risk. And so um, you know while we think it's very important to recognize that there could be this big impact, we also want to encourage. Um, further studies to be done um, to replicate this in other populations, to look at um, soy, you know, different types of soy, um, to really understand this more because, um, you know, again, like we were discussing earlier, this can be something that's really about lifestyle habits and, and, and um, and that is beneficial in other ways to health as well. So, Yeah, no, it's fascinating. But, you know, one can have an 80% risk reduction of something that's very rare, for example. So um, in which case, yeah, reduction is great, but if if the real risk is one in a million, you know, it's sort of like, you know, so what? So, that, you know, I'm just kind of wondering because it's not something that I've thought a lot about. I don't do breast cancer, um, but I don't hear about a lot about bone health uh, in breast cancer survivors. So how... Uh, how common are fractures in this group, say, in the United States? Do you have any sense for – is this a, a big problem? Um, yeah, yeah. So it is – I would um, – you know, so our incidence of fracture in the uh, – in terms of all fractures overall was 13 percent among women 
who were in the study, um, and those that we could clearly define as fragility-related fracture, osteoporosis-related fractures because of the site they were at was 3.7%. And this was compared in the general population. And again, these are using the numbers from sure. our studies. It was uh, 11% uh, versus 1.4% in sort of a similar cohort um, that was actually older in the Shanghai group because they were postmenopausal women that, that had been about. So about 4% in the study of women um, in the breast cancer group might develop fractures. Yes. And again, as you age naturally, um, your this- risk starts going up. You know, and so what happens, you know, I think but that the, was four times more, right? The, if in the healthy group, I think you said one point something percent, yeah, right? So yeah. it's, it's triple or it something. It is. And what happens is um, over time, if your risk for a fracture isn't going back to where it was at the outset, then your natural risk that comes with age over time, it just becomes compounded. And so, you know, I would say in America, there are 10 million people who have uh, osteoporosis, and not all of them will develop fractures, but um, but the number of uh, people who do develop fractures becomes quite high, um, and people don't necessarily realize that. And when you have secondary osteoporosis, which means an underlying condition or medication you take sure. that puts you at risk when you're younger, um, what happens is as you naturally age and then get into age-related risk, um, you're then at a much higher risk than, than you. So it adds on, would you say? Like you get a, start with a higher baseline yeah, and you add on? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So um, now not all postmenopausal women develop osteoporosis, right? No, no. So there's, there's genetic factors, I guess, and I think tobacco, as I recall, and other things, right? Um, so how does that – I mean, do those risk factors also play – roles in this premenopausal, perimenopausal breast cancer survivorship? Are you more likely to be one of these osteoporosis breast cancer survivors if you're a smoker? Um, so, so it could. So just like you were saying, there's a number of risk factors for fracture um, and smoking, uh, you know, uh, frequent alcohol use, um, a genetic or family history. We you know, we ask patients if they have a family history of fracture, um, plays a role, uh, use of certain other medications. So all of these things do combine in in terms of who is at high risk. Um, I would say in the short term, during treatment, um, a patient who is premenopausal on chemotherapy or on uh, which you know, um, causes their ovaries to stop working right. or who is on a therapy that purposely blocks the sure. ovaries, um, that risk will jump up quite high quite quickly because that protective effect of estrogen is taken away in a very dramatic way. Um, the other risk factors that we're discussing, they will all add on. But if they are on, you know, so it, it sort of depends on the uh their breast cancer and sort of the the treatment regimen they go they will be taking, but that very critical first piece is whether they become amenorrheic or not. Well, Meaning, if they periods. lose their periods or not, yeah. right? Um, and um, it's really not the the periods; it's really the ovarian function. It's right? really the ovarian function, exactly. If they lose their ovarian function or not, 
And for some women, it's temporary. So if it comes back, then they have a great chance of, you know, building back their bone. Um, they're, they're young and their estrogen returns and, and they're able to um, rebuild their bone. So, um, so, it's, so that's a really critical piece um, to follow, you know, in, in terms of uh, what, will, what may happen to their bone ha- fracture risk. And then um, added onto that are these other factors. And so um, that's why for women with breast cancer who will be undergoing uh, different courses of treatment, I think that baseline understanding of what things can be done to protect their health, uh, bone health, are, are really important. So that might be nutrition, um, calcium, so that would include calcium and vitamin D intake, uh, protein we discussed is important uh, for, for helping build bone and keeping them strong, uh, and that could be also with soy. Um, and then other things include physical activity. So, you know, it's, bone is very mechanical, and so if you use it and you, you know, put pressure on it, it will respond by, you know, and, and um, become stronger. So weight-bearing exercises uh, such as running, walking, um, and uh, resistance exercises, weight lift, so lifting weights, or, you know, they don't have to be very heavy weights, yeah, but sure. doing resistance some resistance training, training right? Um, and also, I think what people uh, sometimes forget is that falls, if you never fall, then your risk for fracture will remain lower. Um, but would that it were so easy. Would that it were so easy, exactly. So um, also balance and uh, flexibility exercises can really help um, people's equilibrium and, and prevent falls. Um, because, you know, patients who go through very difficult courses of treatment, uh, they may be weak, they may have, you know, neuropathies. Um, so, so the fall risk is not trivial. Um, and, and should always be on the radar. And then the other things like sm- you know smoking cessation. Always stop smoking. Always That's stop always smoking. That's always the right it's answer. It's good for right? everything, right? <laughs> right? Dr. Evelyn Shea is an assistant professor of medicine and rheumatology and of epidemiology and chronic diseases at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.